0: It's time once again for the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a resource for all worship leaders and team members serving in the local church.
1: So take a seat at the table and join the conversation as we discuss all things worship, from team dynamics to technology and song selection. And now it's time for the show.
0: And here we are. Look, look, we did. Is it working?
1: Hey, hey, I'll tell you in 30 seconds.
0: Okay, <laughs> <Yes>, It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. And but, you know, it's funny because that was what church was like on Sunday for us is that we got five minutes into the service and we got one of those.
1: Hold on. Hold on. <laughs>
0: it's we're
1: not working for people at home.
0: No, he said we're streaming to the wrong uh, Facebook page. <laughs> so we had we messed it up the service and we got one of those Yeah, i'm hearing you all right well there we go well just Still at home now it's working good all right well so for those of you who are actually listening or watching this right now we decided is just kind of a in a last minute uh, exploration to um, use obs um, which is a open broadcasting software I like literally obs stands for open broadcasting i think that's what it stands for
1: new Sorry, right. I'm, I'm pulling, up the, pulling up the live stream so I can see the comments. And then there's no, like, I wish it would automatically mute when you did that. And then you could choose to turn it on.
0: Oh, okay. It was, it's funny to hear my own voice coming back from you and making this interesting right. full circle. Uh, yeah. But anyway, we thought that would be kind of a fun, a fun thing to do today, considering all the technology things that we've all been dealing with over the past six months now, uh, when it comes to uh, remote church and stuff so uh, yeah why not give it a whirl yeah give it a let's give it a go and We're, we're musicians we're okay with improv you know i'm a terrible improviser we were talking before we got started about jazz and um our appreciation for jazz and the for me uh recognizing the immense skill that it takes to to be a true jazz musician right yeah are you familiar with the um Oh of course uh something crew, uh not Motley Crew, not cutting crew. Uh there in the sixties there was a um a group of studio musicians that um and of course I'm completely forgetting their name, but they played the um music on like all of the Big Beach Boys hits and most of the big hits in the late sixties, early seventies. And uh they were uh extraordinarily talented jazz musicians who got pulled in because, Hey, you guys are, you guys know how to play all these 13th chords and all this improv, improv- improvisation. So now we'd like you to do is play G a D. And we just like you to do a lot of that. <laughs> it's they're called the wrecking crew. The name's the wrecking crew. The wrecking crew. Yeah. Right. And they're extraordinary. Um, so if you look them up, you'll find, uh, a lot of them aren't around or with us anymore, but quite a few of them are, but just incredibly talented, uh, people. Um, how did I get on that topic? I, I always jazz. Oh, jazz. Thank you. Good yeah. gracious. Speaking of meandering, um, <laughs> th- but yeah, we were, we were talking about jazz and, and again, I don't know wow. how I got to the jazz piece of that either. So I took my meds, but here I am because I was playing jazz beforehand. That's why. There we go. There we go. Appreciate that.
1: She- we should give our listeners the treat that we've had. The song gets stuck in your head.
0: A good hear worm kind of song. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I know how we got there. Improvisation, we're improvising yeah. with the uh, OBS. So anyway, hopefully this is fun for people uh, uh, and um, this is useful. Um, the, uh, we will be talking about, hopefully, topics that will be useful to you as part of this. Um, so, um, well, anyway, I, we were talking about haircuts. You got a haircut. Congratulations on that. You look sharp. Thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun experience nowadays to, to get a haircut, but it's better than having, you know, big, long, my, my hair, when it's long, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's not even like, you know, the white, the white Jesus flowy hair. It's like, it's, it's bigger than that. You know, I have a lot of volume in my hair, so it's it's better, I think, when it's
0: short. Yeah, I
1: threaten to throw it out every once in a while, but my wife won't go for it. So, uh,
0: I I understand that it's uh, well, no, I can't relate, but I understand it. <laughs> right? You know, it's right. I, I, uh, I. If I grew mine out, it would be you know. Remember, you know, the, the whole mullet thing where you know business on the top <laughs> and party in the back. Mine would be like, you know. <laughs> assisted living facility on the top and party <laughs> party in the back. Something, something like that. I don't know. That's good. I like that. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's sad. Uh, it's part, <laughs> it's, it's the joy of getting older. Um, although my, I, I was looking at a photo of uh, cause our, my 20th anniversary is next month, a photo, um, from when Vanessa and I were first dating back in 97 and go- looking at my hairline and going, how did I not know? How was I not aware? I'm looking at this photo and I can see that I have issues with my hair, but it wasn't, i didn't dawn on me at the time for some reason, which has nothing to do with worship unless we're talking about praying for hair. And <laughs> Hey, I think there's some people
1: who would strongly disagree with you that, that hair plays a vital role in worship leading. I think I think there are people out there probably that, that uh, have paid a lot of attention to their hair over the years as a worship leader.
0: Skinny jeans. Yep. You know, yeah. Uh, I, you know, let's talk about fashion and worship leading, <laughs> uh, how crucial it is. You, you know, it, what's interesting is in some churches that is an important thing, um, mm-hmm. that the way you present yourself is what draws certain people, uh, to your church, which I think is really interesting. Not something that that I personally buy into. However, I think, we have to be aware that reaching people takes creativity and not all of it is the style of music um you know if if the way you present your music or you have lights and smoke and stuff is going to draw a certain population that needs to hear it who might you say i'm just not going to be the guy wearing skinny jeans um <laughs> you know uh, or parachute pants or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um i uh well i i got i got uh fired from a church for for not being trendy enough so wow okay um and it's, kinda, it's uh, that that uh that topic's got a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth but yeah so wasn't i wasn't a uh wasn't trendy enough wasn't you know the kind of chris tomlin which was the example that was given to me when they were letting me go, that they wanted someone that was more like a Chris Tomlin kind of a worship leader. And I, um, I asked, have you ever seen Chris Tomlin in concert? Because I don't think he, at least the Chris Tomlin concert that I went to, he wasn't super charismatic from stage, but, um, yeah, <laughs> we could go down this road if you want to about, uh, the, I would say, I would say the inappropriate pressure that's been put on worship to be the attractive, quality to most churches um and you know I don't know I I I struggle with that I don't I don't think it's quite I don't think it's quite the right idea I don't I, I don't know that our worship should repel people but you know there was a book written oh I don't know 20 30 years ago called worship evangelism I don't know if you ever read that mm-hmm. book no um but they just kind of made the argument in that book that that when we're worshiping, that should be an evangelistic tool to, you know, non-believers and, uh, that when non-believers come visit our churches on a Sunday morning, that the way we're worshiping should be a form of evangelism and, um, built the idea out in much greater detail than I'm articulating right now. And it's a book pretty thick, but yeah, I still, I still don't know how, I don't know how I feel about, um, worship being a, being used to attract people. I, I struggle with that a little bit, but I
0: think, I think it's, I, I think it's reasonable to be um, confused by that or just I, it, it's for me. I'm in kind of a position where I didn't start leading worship until I was 34 something like that. You know, it, uh, I didn't even know worship was a thing you know, in terms of leading worship, I just thought you were a song leader, you know, grew up in the Catholic church. Our Mm -hmm. Saturday service was a folk service, which just meant we had, you know, we had guitars, we had a drummer and, um, and it was more contemporary worship music from a Catholic church perspective. That was like the mid eighties. Um, but in the, you know, in was it 2004 when my church said, Hey, you can play the guitar and sing. Why don't you go do a few (laughs) songs? And I went, "Okay." so the whole worship culture was kind of beyond me and I had to, pl- I played a lot of catch up with that. And that's actually w- how I discovered, um, all about worship, which I was affiliated with for a number of years and, mm-hmm. um, was, I don't understand what I'm doing. Uh, uh it, it, and almost it was like a seeing what other worship leaders were doing, especially on the national stage was like a template. Oh, okay. I should do it this way. I'm super grateful that Paul Belash was one of the first people that I encountered in that, because to me he represents kind of the, that right balance between show and worship. I don't think it's right. ever a question for me, at least when I see Paul interacting with people that he is in truly engaged in worship. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, the, the there's, there's something very authentic about that. And I'm, and, and maybe it's because that's where I started a bit, why I'm more attracted to that than some of the things that feel like a rock concert. Yeah. And, uh, so that's my own perspective. I recognize that for other people, um, well, actually, let me just say that I don't understand how the spirit works when it comes to drawing people to God. And it's not maybe appropriate for me to place limitations on that. Mm -hmm. I will say that I get one, I I get concerned that we send a mixed message when there's and you'll excuse me saying this when there's kind of a, a sexiness that we're presenting. When we say outward appearance is very important. Mm -hmm. Then the people who are drawn to that, it feels like a, you know, a very fickle, connection mm-hmm. uh at that point and so maybe maybe i would say from a seeker perspective if your church is a seeker church and your goal is to spin people into deeper connections at other churches which is what a lot of seekers do maybe that works i don't know um what do you think about yeah. that garbage
1: yeah i mean well, i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't call it garbage but i mean just that that model that idea i don't um, uh, we could get into whole, a whole philosophical di- discussion about church in general, but, you know, I just, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I think every church is supposed to be, it, it seems pretty clear to me, but it's not necessarily clear to everyone that, that every church is supposed to be about making disciples that that should mm-hmm. be our primary purpose. So, uh, you know, when, when, you know, there are some churches that will say that, you know, they're, and we've had some here in Vancouver and they, they would, they were great at, you know, evangelism and reaching people and, you know, baptizing them, but they had nothing in place for any kind of discipleship or maturing them. And so the people, the, the, the best case scenario was they would drift off to other churches and finally start getting to baptized. probably the, the standard case scenario was um they would just come for a little while and and either never grow at that church or just disappear and never try church again and um so yeah i mean i for for years and years i've i've wrestled with the idea that that church services and pastors and worship pastors and what we do on sunday is supposed to somehow attract people Um, you know, and like, uh, there's, there was, there's kind of a debate going on right now that attractional church is dying. And if you listen to the Carrie, Carrie Newhoff podcast, you know, that there's new, new, new models, especially charismatic kind of stuff is really kind of taken off in the last couple of years. And, um, but the whole, you know, the idea of attractional church, I mean, what are the, unless you're a real, uh, an actual mega church and in my definition of mega church, I would probably say it's like 10,000 plus. Um, mm-hmm. if you're that size, maybe you have a chance at, at doing something that's actually attractional as a church where people are going to see it from the outside and be drawn to it. Um, but you know, anything under that, you just don't have the budget, you don't have the manpower, you don't have the brain power to really put together something that's going to compete with what people are experiencing out at a, a real concert venue, you know, uh, other forms of entertainment, you know, movies, all those kinds of things. We, you know, we just genuinely aren't going to compete. Yeah. I don't yeah. think in large part with, with those major entertainment venues and, uh, and uh, organizations and empires. That have been doing this for hundreds of years, literally, and uh, and really, you know, uh, draw people to that. So, I, to me, it feels like that idea is flawed. I think the whole point it kind of misses the point of every person who's a believer is supposed to make disciples, and the and the call of of you know bringing people into the kingdom is on every single person, not on an organization that can put together you know a program or a service or something and draw people in that way and then hope to reach them. That that feels like, that feels like we're sidestepping the actual call to me, but that's a soapbox. I don't, I should probably get off of. Well, I,
0: I I think it's interesting. I think um, it's like, should your worship leader be attractive? You know, and uh, should they, it, I think there is a, well, this is interesting. Uh, One of, one of my big philosophies on worship is that, it should not be an additional distraction. Um, and if, uh, I there's a, a local church down here that used to employ professional musicians, whether or not they were uh, Christians, uh, and right. there's, a, there's a debate around that the whole thing. But one of the, the, the folks was this guitar player, um, middle-aged guy, phenomenal guitar player, probably did session guitar work, whatever. But he right. would just cut into some wicked solo in the middle of worship It was, you know, it was part of their arrangement and he was just, you know, make the faces that he made. It was, you know, he, it was like he knew he was at a concert and he was just ripping into something. It was tasteful and it was distracting because (laughs) people were, were cheering for him and for what he was doing. And I felt for me, I felt a, I appreciate what you're doing and B, This is taking me, this has become a barrier to worship for me. This has become a distraction. Um, Mm -hmm. at the same church, there was a, um, uh, this very gregarious, charismatic worship leader, didn't play an instrument sang, and danced. He just Mm -hmm. did danced everywhere. Everything he did, he was dancing. And, uh, that was also a distraction to me. Now it was, was that a legitimate expression of worship? I absolutely think so. Yes. Mm -hmm. and it was a distraction. And, uh, and I think there's times when we have to suppress our own personal, um, desires for worship, uh, the way we want to express ourselves for the you know, for the, the greater body of the, of, um, of our church and Mm -hmm. what works for them. And so I think there's a, there's a balance there where, I mean, if you showed up and you hadn't showered or, um, you know, you, your clothes are dirty and whatever that, that becomes a distraction. So that's, that, that's kind of my measure. If you're, if you're operating at this level, you may be a distraction. And if you're operating at the lowest level, you're a distraction. So how do you get out of the way? Right. Is, uh, you know, if the songs are too high our key too high, well, right. you're not helping anybody worship there. And I, right. I can sing in a fairly high register. Yesterday I took a song that went up to a G or something like that and sustained it for a little bit. And I'm like, I can't sing that because the church, nobody at church is gonna be able to sing this with me. That would be very selfish of me to sing something that I really love to get into my high register. You know? So I I think that's where I fit with a lot of that. Uh, The appearance is if you can do it, not be a distraction. Right. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Well, and yeah, that's, and, and that, I mean, I think
1: that kind of gets to the to the core, you know, purpose of of worship leading, which is one of the things I like. You mentioned Paul Balash, you know, mm-hmm. our purpose as as worship leaders is is shepherding the people in the congregation into worship, shepherding them, you know, into the throne room, so to speak, shepherding them, mm-hmm. leading them, you know, guiding them, doing you know, doing whatever we need to do to draw them into a place where they're where they're worshiping. And uh, that means that means we have to, like you said, we have to sacrifice and set aside all of our personal preferential things that we would like to do. Um, you know, given given any kind of you know worship experience for ourselves, um, for for the higher aim, the higher goal of drawing drawing people into worship, and that's where I that's where I feel like attractional worship can st- can start to miss the mark because you're taking that core purpose of drawing people into worship, and you're at, at the very least dividing it into to two where everything you're doing to try to lead people into worship is for the purpose of people who are outside watching and right. hoping that they're going to see it and approve of it and want it and you know and that will bring them to your church and you know you'll grow your church as a result of it you know that i don't that that really seems to to miss the mark for me where where it's uh, turning worship into something it's not supposed to be
0: yeah yeah yeah. And I think, uh, people are astute enough, especially generation Z or generation Z or whatever. One of the things that I think we hear a lot about is that they, um, they can sniff out inauthenticity in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're putting on a show, they won't come. I think Carrie, I mean, cause Carrie Newhoff is somebody I think that both of us respect and appreciate, uh, mm-hmm. in many ways. I don't necessarily agree with him on everything, but, uh, right. but I do appreciate him that, that that is a big component of is, you know, are you presenting something authentic? Cause if you're not, uh, it will be, it, it, uh, the, 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 right people won't be there. Right. I think, I mean, that's the way, way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's not a cut and dry issue for me. And, it, and it's also not one of those where I would be like, you know, you gotta, you're, you're going to hell if you're, if you're doing this kind of worship in your church um i think i think we can do a lot of damage you know by by taking strong stands and make and divide the church when we should be uniting the church but yeah i don't know why we got off on that on that soapbox but we did so well i think
0: well, part of it was, was searching for what the we well we were talking about haircuts i think is how we got there uh, yeah, talking yeah. about appearance, but, but I think it's an interesting topic. Uh, I, it's, uh, the other day that for the pastor before the service said, Oh, it, you, you match today. He said, it looked like you took some time to pick out clothes that went together. Well, and I, <laughs> and I think just that, your outfit or with other people, no, just me as an oh. individual. And I went, okay. And I thought, well, I'm going to take, I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment and not as a. <laughs> Hey, normally you look pretty terrible, but today right. it looks like you cared. Nah. Uh, so uh, we don't see, see ourselves very well from the outside. And, nah. uh, and I think, you know, just kind of taking this a step further in terms of uh, how appearance affects things. Uh, and we've mentioned this before, but one of the things that we should be considering as a worship team is recording ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not just what we sound like, but what we look like. Uh, again, we've mentioned this before, but I have seen myself and thinking that I look that I'm presenting something that is not necessarily cool, but is certainly helpful or imparts a worshipful like, oh, I think this is going to communicate uh how I feel and then I see it and I go, It looks like I have heartburn, you know. Right. You <laughs> know, <laughs> or someone like that where I feel like oh, I'm showing a level of intensity that's reflective yeah. of who I am. And what I'm presenting to people is I'm gonna throw up. Uh, or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, or you're not smiling, you're singing a joyful song and you're not smiling. Uh, right. That it's good. It's good to have a sense of that, uh, of, of what you're presenting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, um, yeah, that was, um I, I was talking with our team yesterday morning about that very thing just, you know, cause I'd watched the, uh, the worship, seg- you know, song from the week before and I can't remember what song it was, but it's a song I like and I was kind of into the, you know, upbeat song. So, and I've just over the years, I mean, it's always been natural for me to, to move, especially like when I'm sitting, when I'm sitting at a piano there, there's just something for me about moving naturally with the music while I'm playing, you know, and it just, so I just, you know, just, I kind of naturally do this kind of a thing and, yeah, you know, just kind of move, move my body to the beat of it. I think some of it over the years, I worked at it because I, you know, you go to, you know, you. you go to college and they teach you, you know, about how you, you know, what you, what you look like on stage, what is different than what you feel like. So you have to amplify it a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of had that built in over the years, but then I, I was watching the rest of the team and it was just standing, you know, stiff in place, you know, doing their thing. I'm like, so like, I look, I mean, I kind of look like an idiot, <laughs> And <laughs> in comparison, like, I probably look like the, you know, super charismatic guy while everyone else is just, you know, kind of standing there stiff, you know, Oh yeah, uh, playing. And so we were talking about this. Like, and I, and I just said, you know, you know, when you're, when you're up in front of people it used to be when you're up in front of people, now it's when you're up in front of people and when you're being, when you're on video, um, you know, whatever you think is for the most part, we don't have the people in our church. And I've never really had, except for one person I can think of. That was that I had to tone down. That was too, right. too vibrant on stage. For the most part, I've got, you know, people who are too laid back and too calm that I got to kind of push them to like, you know, move a little bit, sway, clap, you know, raise your hand, do, do something that, that, you know, and, and it, and it comes from that idea that you're not up there for yourself. So we have to do as, as people, as worship leaders on stage, what our people need to see from us so that they are given the permission to respond in the same yeah, way. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's, it can feel, it can feel um, disingenuous. It can feel like you're faking it and forcing it, but I've seen it so many times where, you know, I'm not, I'm not by nature, a hand raiser, you know, to a song, but you know, if I'm if I'm playing a song or like if I if I'm if I'm just doing something with my right hand, I almost always try to raise my left hand, and I've seen it so many times. When I raise my hand, other people in the congregation respond by raising their hand, and so I gave them permission. I, I gave them, I created an environment that it was okay for them to to respond in a way that was natural to them, um, even though it's not natural to me.
0: Yeah, um, I think. Uh, modeling worship is important. Right. And mm-hmm. if, if you're, you as a member of a worship team are set in stone, like it look, you know, if you're statuesque, let's say then, um, uh, then, uh, you, you may be telling people inadvertently don't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I have a congregation that, uh, that I don't really have to cue. You know, if we do a song like uh, "We Stand and Lift Up Our Hands," everybody stands and lifts up their hands. It's like, yeah, right. Uh, and I and I chuckle at that because as soon as we get past that lyric, hands come back down, and they're like, okay. Uh, but there, yesterday, um, we were singing a song, and there were about eighteen people there, you know, and, because that's about all we can fit from a social distancing perspective. And um, it's just some points you see people just standing up. Uh, they, you know, I don't tell people they have to stand for worship, you know, because some, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm like, do what you are called to do and what's comfortable to you in, a, in terms of, uh, a physical demonstration of worship. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, there are people who will fall on their knees. Um, and raising my hand did not come naturally either and and. uh, I went to a worship retreat and it was, there was a lot of charismatic stuff going on and I'm like, what is this? Mm As good. You know, growing up a good Catholic boy, I see that stuff and I go, this is weird. And once I kind of acclimated, I'm like, Oh no, this is, this could be really a beautiful thing if it's not a show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and it's definitely not for everybody. There are certainly people that crossing their arms they could be inside just really just being pulled apart in terms of the spirit oh, yeah, working definitely. in them. uh, and, uh, I think as worship leaders and worship team members, though, we do have, we have a different responsibility. Like you're saying, if we stand st- stock still, we, we may be communicating to people that they're not supposed to move. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was, conversation. You know, that- yeah, I remember one
1: one worship time I was leading, and we were at a church where the kids were in worship, and then we dismissed the kids for the sermon. And it always bothered me because, um, like, if we're going to dismiss the kids for the sermon, because you know we want the parents, you know, to be able to focus and pay attention and give you know, and have a moment of worship, then then why don't we, why don't we do the same thing for music? at the same time and you know and it, and it to me it felt like a way to it felt like undervaluing the the, the worship time um but i remember and so i kind of had that in my mind i'm sitting here i'm i'm, I'm at the piano and i'm i'm kind of looking off this direction i can see this dad holding his daughter who's just squirming and you know not you know and i'm just like man there's no just no way that guy's ever going to worship and that guy <laughs> comes up to me after the service after the service and said just, I just want to, you know, thank you for this. You know, it was a really meaningful, you know, worship time for us today. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm wrong. I guess, (laughs) I guess I was totally wrong um, about that. So uh, yeah, you can't, you can't really, and and same thing, you know, where, like you were talking about, you know, seeing older guys in, in the congregation, just, just the whole time. Yeah. Not singing you know, not, not experiencing anything, not, not doing anything to give any kind of a you know cue that they're participating and come up to you after the service and say, it was a really meaningful worship experience. Oh, okay. I guess, I guess, I guess I can't, I can't, uh, I can't judge whether, whether you're engaged or not by what you look like.
0: So. Right. I, I think we do tend to project our own, uh, how, how, what that would mean if we did it. You know, I, uh, I caught myself on camera this morning with my arms folded and I went, Oh wait, I hope that's not communicating that I'm angry, uh, Mm -hmm. or that, um, I'm unhappy or I'm impatient or something. And I forced myself to drop my arms right? Uh, and because that communicates a level of vulnerability and openness and, uh, you know, so being aware physically of how you are presenting yourself is a really important aspect of uh, of worship and i think that's if any if i've got anything out of this whole remote church thing it is a better understanding of how i present myself and making some changes i tend to rock back and forth on my feet i did not realize that i did that um mm. i pointed out to my pastor what it means to cheat um on stage i was a theater major and we start the service with a, a quick exchange between the two of us how was your week that kind of thing Well, he always turns and faces me directly. So he's the congregation is looking at his side. And I'm like, you know, you should actually just open yourself up to congregation and just kind of turn to me a little bit. You can still see me because it looks like you're excluding them from the conversation. And he had no idea that Mm -hmm. that's kind of what he was communicating. And then this past Sunday, he's like, hey, is this good? Is this a good angle? Am I cheating the right way? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, And I'm like, I'm not trying to make it too big of a deal out of it. It, right. but they're little things that we communicate inadvertently through our physicality. So, mm-hmm. well, I don't know yeah. if that was, that was really not what we intended to talk about today. We hadn't really mapped anything out in that regard, yeah. but I think it's worth exploring.
1: It's, yeah, that's good.
0: Uh, I want to encourage people, uh, even if all you, if you're not, uh, recording your rehearsals, uh, or your services for whatever reason, you know, put, put your camera out there, put it on a stand, and uh and it's hard to watch yourself it's really uncomfortable and you'll learn a lot about what you're presenting <laughs> to people and it's right. it's not about you uh it's uh, uh it's about him and and leading people to him if i can yeah. see them um uh, tech wise we did actually kind of figure something out this
1: week oh so, really okay you know, we, tech up the update. last couple yeah we were uh trying to figure out how to use my monitor mix for the Facebook live mix. And I was struggling to get the click track in the mix without it going out to Facebook. I don't know if you remember that.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah.
1: And, uh, so I, I actually, I don't know if I have it here somewhere. Probably do. I mapped it out. Probably threw it away, but, um, I drew it out to try just to figure <laughs> out how, how it was possible. For the signal of the click track to be getting in and so then i once i drew it once i started drawing lines i could see all this is how it's getting there even though i didn't think it should be um and so we uh i now so quick recap so i have a stereo aux that i use for my monitors and then i was bringing in a third aux just for the click track so that would be a totally separate thing um but it was it was when I wide it together to get into my monitor mix, then it was connecting there and flowing back out to the camera. So now what, what I'm doing is I'm bringing those three channels, the left and the right of mine, and then the third aux into a little mixer and sending that out to my monitors. And then now there's no way for the, for the uh, click track to possibly get out there. So <laughs> it's progress. It's, you know, <laughs> it's better, you know, and then, and then there's just the, it's hard you know with the uh with the room you know room sound even though these are are fairly isolating way more isolating than what i had been using there's still just you know a, a lot of the room sound i forgot to mute the room mics during the opening song last week so there was just kind of this you know sounded like a, a, a an extra reverb but it wasn't reverb it was just the room mics were on you know all that kind of stuff that was, it happens. And then it's like, you can't do anything. You go, but you can't go back and fix it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was, I, I was speaking to uh, one of the people who helps out with the services, you know, now instead of needing, you know, three volunteers, now you have seven. And right. um, after the service, you could just see this kind of, you know, decompression a little bit. And I just acknowledged it's just hard. Yeah. It, there are so many things that we are juggling all at once that it makes it very difficult for those of us who are volunteering to truly engage mm-hmm. in the way we want to, or to relax. It just feels very tight. And, right. uh, was, yeah, it's stressful. It is stressful. It's stressful
1: to be, I mean, it's, you know, to do, to do a service before was stressful. <laughs> yeah but it's, you know, it's stressful to now to be live and now you're faced with that, that prospect of, um, this is going out literally for anyone in the world to find and see, right. If they, if they have an internet connection and you know, they're on YouTube or Facebook, they're going to, they can possibly find this and see it if they want. So now it's like, Oh wow. Now that just kind of adds, you know, and then just that, you know, remember, um, when we, back when we did big Christmas productions, there was that feeling, right. I mean, like, And you, and you with theater, you know, you've got that feeling when the curtain opens, you're, I mean, you're on and and everything is rolling and everything, you know, every, every, uh, every tooth on the gear has to have, has to work. Otherwise this thing starts spinning out of control and we've got major problems. And, um, and so there's that, there is that feeling of like, ah, this is, this is way more stressful than it used to be because it is (laughs) It actually is.
0: There's, there's just so much more going on and it is, uh, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. For mm-hmm. that. So I'm glad you got that figured out. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it, progress. yeah, if it's, if it's just one little thing, uh, you know, and going back to like early June mm-hmm. or late may, when we set a goal of when we were going to actually have our live service, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the question that kind of came from, from folks was why is it going to take that long? And it's because I'm like, well, because we're going to try to do this in this week. And if it doesn't work that week, we're going to try again the next week. Mm -hmm. And if that works, we can do this the next week until we slowly step in and we have those uh, victories, confirmations that things are going to work correctly. So that when we, when it's time to go live, we have worked the kinks as we're aware of them out right out of this and it just it takes a while so just getting one thing though man you absolutely i'm glad you you acknowledge that because you need to feel good about it Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise you can just fall apart with (laughs) with all that stuff right
1: yeah so now, now we're now i'm trying to figure out a way to uh to put like cause we don't have a drummer we're playing to tracks, you know? Yeah. So when we do, if, a, if drums are crucial, we'll play to a track. Otherwise we're still trying to just play with our, our group. Um, it was like, there's gotta be some, some kind of like, you know, we could get like a, you know, 75 inch TV and put it in, you know, our old drum cage and, and, you know, like kind of, you know, set the drums up in front of it. Like, so, and just like, and sync that up with, with that uh, with our uh, with our track that we're doing so it looks like we have a drummer. so like it, it just needs to look like there's a drummer so it doesn't feel like it's such a fake <laughs> a fake thing to me because just you hear the drums and they sound good you know they sound great because they're tracks, you know but um, like but where where are they? why do we never see the drummer right
0: well, He's uh, back
1: uh,
0: backstage
1: he's right he,
0: we've hidden him uh, yeah do you know who Charlie Watt is? No, he's the uh, drummer for the Rolling Stones. Okay. And they did a uh, a Zoom song for part of some like online benefit thing, I don't know, a couple months ago. Yeah. And you know, they would flip back and forth between the different players in the Stone in the Rolling Stones and they would come to Charlie Watt, you know, who's a drummer, and clearly he is not playing the drums. <laughs> he's not even <laughs> pretending to play the drums. Right. He's just <laughs> looking at you going, see what I'm doing here? I am not yeah. playing the drums, and it was amazing <laughs> because it 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 was funny. It it kind of communicated. Insert drummer here. Right, right, right. So that yes. was, it made me think of that. That sometimes it, it, you only have to kind of nod, like, mm-hmm. see, I'm just kind of alluding to the fact that there's drums. Um, it, I could sit somebody on a cajon, and and they could just sit there and pantomime that they're playing the cajon. And I my guess is that. And I could play a full drum kit in the backing track. And I think mm-hmm. probably two thirds of my congregation would go, I did not realize you could get all those sounds out of a cajon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I told you, I have probably told this story. I, I
1: kind of like it because it was this, uh, the guy that, and it's the guy that fired me. That's probably why I like it. And okay. it's one of the times like I caught him, <laughs> you know, was um, we had, we had a Saturday night service. We were playing with tracks and, for the Saturday night service, we didn't have a drummer, but Sunday we had a drummer. And so, um, we had the, we had just remodeled this room and we had the drum cage set up in this room, but we didn't have any light inside the drum cage. And so it was super dark. The drums were set up in there and everything was mic'd. So you, you know, but I had, I had heard the comment a couple of times is somebody, is there somebody in there? Because, you know, you can't really see them drumming. It was just really dark in that corner of the stage. And, so we didn't have a drummer this week at this one week and um and but we played so i I just used the drum track that was on the track knowing the next day we weren't going to need it um and it sounded really good and you know the sound guy had it sounding really good and so i went up to this guy who's one of those guys that thinks he knows everything about everything and thought he knows everything about music and that kind of guy you know and um so I went up to him intentionally to try to trap him after the service. And I said, Hey, so what do you think about our drummer tonight? Oh. And, and, and he said, Oh yeah, yeah. It sounded pretty good. I thought he did a really good job. I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Cause it was a track. <laughs> yeah, and you're fired. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like four months after that, that I got fired, but, um, yeah, but it's in people, even, even people who know, even people who, and he was a good musician, you know, but people who, who have a trained ear don't always pick those things up. You know, don't always notice that, right. Hey, there wasn't a drummer. And so, um, I, have joked about just getting like an animatronic person to put inside a, inside a drum cage and, you know, just that.
0: <laughs> right. I think that that works. I like your idea of the TV. You can yeah, just... have a Bimley lit. You never know. Right. Uh, it it depends on what your sanctuary looks like mine. We we could never get away with that. Uh, but, but I still like the idea. I think it's fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like, I mean, I think I wish,
1: you know, now that they're doing tracks and a lot of people are doing video, it would be nice if you could, and you'd have to pay money for it, but if you could get, you know, get a, the video of the drummer drumming that track that you could include in the mix somehow, because everything's on Facebook now, Facebook live, you know. Yeah. you see that there was a real person at some point in time that played the drums to this song
0: yeah well it, it's not unlike what you guys did when you recorded um, you know we were doing that one song a week You know, right. if if you uh, if you had a drummer who played that song that you were going to mm-hmm. otherwise incorporate why not I mean you right. can kind of make that work if you're already jumping through hoops to coordinate yeah. other things yep. I, I, I couldn't pull it off because I just don't have the time I started playing with the loops after our last, uh, our last one. And I'm like, this is cool. Yeah, I'll uh, go. Yeah. I don't have time for this. I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I loved it and I was really enjoying it. And I went and, and, and then I'm like, I have work to do. Like I have a job <laughs> that I need to do. So I could see, uh, how I could really enjoy investing time into, into that. And I really love the way the mm-hmm. prompts work like yeah. hey by the way your your verse is verse two three two one and then you, right, know you yeah. start I'm like wow i could see how members of my my team would really appreciate those things even if it was just the prompts and a click track mm-hmm. that they would be like oh we know where we're going now we right. know what's coming up next so i i'm going to keep playing with that i'm using it in yeah. concert no pun intended with um the studio one uh, five song page I downloaded a free loop thing from loop community and I yeah. brought that into the page and I'm just kind of playing with it and see how that might work um, what I did find and I wanted to ask you this is kind of a follow-up is how do you know what arrangement you're playing in terms of chords and you know did they oh yeah did you get a lead sheet or you, how do you deal with that I didn't get one
1: no, no. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of predicated on the assumption that when you go to a song in a specific arrangement, I mean, so if you download, if you go to loop community and, and you're looking at a song, I mean, they put the album cover and, you know, I think they're, they're right. trying to make it clear. This is this version of the song right. and all okay. these, all these recordings are that
0: version. And then you just, you have the responsibility's on you to get that, that chord okay. chart. So. Well good I didn't because uh, this happened to be a, an arrangement of I surrender all that had uh, was a, a more of an alternative chord progression using some minor right. chords uh, or diminished chords in ways mm-hmm. that the standard arrangement that I'm used to doesn't use. And so I went, well I, I really can't use this until I know what the actual arrangement for this was. Right, I, can't, right. I can't play the acoustic guitar with this because there's that, that chord right there. I could maybe figure it out if I mapped it out or whatever. So good that that, that helps me a little bit to understand. Um, and so I'm going to keep exploring it. But I think for me, what I'll end up doing is creating my own loops and uh, the you know creating those sections and and playing around with that. It'll take more time, but right. I I like the idea of challenging myself. To mm-hmm. once I learn it, then I can abandon it. You know, right. I, and, and jump straight into a loop community thing or whatever, but right. understanding how to set up a, like a, you know, I set up a drum kit and my click track. I don't like the click, click, click. I, I like more of a, you know, um, a snare hit, you know, uh, 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 the bass drum with a snare, boom, cha, boom. And then I feel like I, I have something to follow there that moves mm-hmm. me a bit more. Um, the congregation doesn't need to hear that, but to me, that's helpful as a click track. Right yeah
1: yeah that was one of the things i forgot to say in the last thing when we were talking about loops was the prompts especially when it comes to loop community um because i've made this mistake a couple of times like rule number one keep you just keep doing whatever you're doing until you hear that prompt tell you to go on (laughs) right because there have been there a couple times where um, and you can edit the arrangement so you can cut out courses, add courses, all that stuff beforehand. And I, I do that from time to time. Like I did it this week. We were playing uh, today is the day, the Lincoln Brewster version right. and it's got that big Lincoln Brewster solo in it. And you know, we don't have anybody playing electric guitar at all. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to take this out. This is gonna This, I mean, that's just pushing it just a little too far uh, for me. So we took it out. Um, but there've been a couple times where you know we repeat the chorus one more time than we're used to playing it. And I like it when we're practicing it, but then when you're, when you're playing it real time, your tendency is to go back to just, you know, muscle memory, how you normally do it. And one time I, I repeated the chorus was like, Oh, he didn't say that. <laughs> and, uh, or no, I didn't repeat it. I was going on to the bridge and he didn't say, I didn't hear him give the cue bridge two, three, four, you right. know? And so, like I'm going on to the bridge, but the rest of the band and the track is staying on the course because <laughs> if we have to do one more course. Like oh, so rule you know, kind of like one of the cardinal rules is you keep doing whatever it is you're doing until the guy comes on and tells you to move on. You know,
0: right? Yeah, you must. <laughs> so sub- that could be bad. You must submit to the loop.
1: Yep, <laughs> that's awesome. So there was something where oh, it's the ending of today is the day, uh, where there's the ending. It's like how many, how many times it feels like this is one or two more times than we're used to doing, but we just like, just keep repeating today's the day until he says end. Cause you, you know, otherwise you're going to sound, sound like a, <laughs> like a moron, but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's we're, what we're really like you, we want to, we want to get to recording our own stuff and, and not doing, not doing the super full rock band stuff, but more of our kind of acoustic feel. And once we're doing that, I'll feel a lot better
0: about it. Yeah, but I, I I think about like asking my bass player or my keyboard player, hey, I just here's here's the the track and here's the arrangement. Just record this and send it back to me, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever, and just kind of build it up that way. And then if if Ted, my bass player, isn't there that week, and we're doing that song, then I can just add him back in, and we still have a yep. full sound, but it's still our sound, right? All right? Oh, Debbie can't be there for keys. Cool. All right. Well, um, then I'll have Ted's there to play bass, but I'll just have the keyboards present there. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I'm interested in exploring when there's a bit more time for me to play with that. Um, yeah. Well, I wanted to um, wrap up with one more thing, and I didn't set you up for this at all. So all right, me on this. Um, I was going to ask, um, and I'm prepared from with my own. What's the song that you guys are doing now that um, that when you think of me that like I could see Joe do that song. Yeah, the one that I think of for you, and, and you might not have one, and maybe you can bring it back for next time. There's a song by uh, um, is it we something lions uh, we not we be lions uh, here be li- whatever. It's, a, oh, it's <laughs> here be here be lions. God, I'm getting I'm, I'm completely ruining it. But it's a song called "Only a Holy God," huh. and I can see you doing that song. Um, uh, do you know who Dustin Smith is Am I familiar with him? He just opened a church with mm-hmm. Darlene check. Uh, and, uh, I think it's here be lions or something like that. Look it up. I'm not going to look it up because I'm afraid I'm going to screw up our OBS. Um, here be lions, here be lions, only a holy God. And it's in a, it's a really interesting time signature.
1: Hi, it's Sam Barker here from the Motley Fool. I can hear that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell. Yeah. Go OBS. Um there you go. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down?
1: That's all we got. It's 29
0: seconds. So. All right. Yeah, it it really builds into something very, very powerful. But it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. So um, Hmm. it's uh, an interesting. uh, Once you get the hang of it, it's super easy to play. I play it faster than that, but I've also discovered that I play everything too fast. I've been practicing with a (laughs) metronome lately, and I'm like, oh, that's what 72 beats per. Uh, minute feels like and um clearly i am playing that too fast but anyway that was a song that i was thinking about the other day i'm like i i think that you guys would appreciate and i think that's a song that that you would lead very effectively so just want oh, to throw thank that out you. there yeah.
1: yeah i'll have to think about it I'll, I'll have to put some intentional thought in it see see if i can recommend a song for you guys
0: it's just, yeah, I think yeah. it's a, a way to kind of like I said, heaven is, uh, where you are is like one of those songs that really resonated with me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's one of the ways I discover new songs is having somebody say, have you heard of this? And if I go and I see it's in the CCLI, like top 100, my tendency is to not want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> but if I hear ones like, right. oh, this is a really powerful song. You should check this out. Um. Uh, and, you know, and I have my go-tos, you know, Ross King, who's a, you know, a, a friend of ours, um, a lot of times he'll write songs and, and they're not even intended for worship and I'll go, Oh, but I'm going to share this with my congregation. Um, hmm. there's a, he did, um, a song, one of my favorite songs, and I guess it's from five years ago because time flies was, um, love is a hammer. If you're not familiar with that. Mm-hmm. One of my all time, it was like, for me, it was one of the best songs that was released in Christian music that whole year. Um, mm-hmm. and then I told Ross that just a great song, but th- you know, th- think about that, uh, those things. And it, for, for folks who are listening, if you think, gosh, you know what, I bet you that would be a, they would really enjoy that song or that, uh, based on, and, uh, and really it's purely based on conjecture and our personalities. If you see a worship song, yeah. like, Oh, I would, that would be interesting. And then maybe it would, maybe we'll, find a way to, to lead that and record it and share a little bit of it during one of our, uh, our episodes. If you think that would yeah. be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. Yeah. Um,
1: there's, there is a song probably, um, that it's a Stephen Curtis Chapman song. It's on his worship album, but it's not a popular song. Uh, you know, no one, not very many people do it. There's not a loop for it on loop community. Um, but so it's, uh, we are who you say we are. Have you heard that one? I haven't. Yeah, that would be, it's it's a good one. It's a good one about, it's one of the, it's not a, there aren't a lot of identity in Christ songs out there. And so it's a good one that that really, um, that makes it clear. Our identity is determined by what God says we are, not anything else. And um, uh, there are several songs on that, on that worship album. Of course, I'm a huge Stephen Curtis Chapman fan, so I'm biased, but. There's a, a few songs on there that we do. We do more than conquerors, and then we do that one. Um, but when you mentioned when you mentioned you know a song that's not on the top 100 that probably not very many people know about, that was the first song that came to mind. So you might that might be a good one.
0: I just queued it up over here, so I will. Uh, and I and I am a fan of Stephen Curtis Chapman as well. In the and uh, obviously I'm older, but um, you know he was coming up in the late 80s and early 90s. When my faith was coming much more personal, and so mm-hmm. you know more to this life, you know some really yeah. early, early things, and then he did kind of a, a another album where he kind of reimagines those songs from throughout his career. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it, but it was very good. And, recreated, probably. Yeah, recreated. I got a hold of that yeah. like a month early and did a review of that, uh, and I a couple of songs I'm like, I don't think it added to it, but a few of them I'm like, okay, once we kind of ditched the dated arrangement and we got to really experience it again, like, Oh man, the, these, these songs are very good. Um, right. And of course his album about his daughter and, and then yeah. was it out of ashes or out yeah, of? Um, beauty for ashes. Beauty I think. For, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Beauty. what an, Beauty.
1: Um, so talking about reimagined, now you now you got me on the Stephen Curtis Chapman kick. I got to play it a little bit of it. All right. So he he did a bluegrass album, um, a couple of years ago, and it uh, it's one of those that like you think ah eh, it's probably not going to be that great, right? I mean, I didn't think I liked bluegrass as much as I like bluegrass, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I remember I remember watching i mean we had a we say we did a lot of bluegrass in my church growing up because i'm from southeast ohio so there was a lot of bluegrass every once in a while i get a really good bluegrass like a really good banjo player and it's one of those things it's like man this is really good this is fun to listen to but most of the time it wasn't really good um but he they did dive i want to play a little bit of it for oh, you yeah yeah dive is cool yeah oh It's it's straight up bluegrass, right? Um, But I gotta get to the chorus. I'll let it get into the start here. Weedy rains falling hard upon the thirsty ground. Up the to where the wild and rushing river can be found. Once. Telling
0: me it's time to take the leap of faith. So here I go. I'm diving in. I'm going deep. Head over my head. I want. Yeah, that's to awesome. <laughs> I over my head, I
1: so,
0: yeah, and he's like, really letting his Kentucky uh, accent yeah. come out there too. He's really leaning in on that. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of those like,
1: you know, it was when they said it was deeper roots bluegrass, I was like, ah. Eh. And I know I mean, he's kind of he's kind of going back to, you know, in the last couple albums a little bit more of that kind of style. And I was like, "I don't know if I'm going to like this one." But I listened to listened to it and was like, "Man, this it's all good. It's an, it's another one of those things where he's just he's just such a talented artist, musician, songwriter. I mean, there's He's still, I mean, some of his super early stuff, I'm not, I'm not super, you know, excited about, but, um, really everything since more to this life beyond you know, there's it's all, every album he puts out is it's a, like a, a new version of himself. So anyway, I could talk about, about it for a while. So we probably should move on.
0: <laughs> well, it's about time to wrap up. We've been going for about an hour now. It looks yeah. like we just kind of passed uh, our one hour mark and, uh, it's time for me to make myself lunch. And, yeah. um, and actually work on my day job stuff. Um, but, um, I would, I think let's, um, let's revisit some of these topics of, um, some of, uh, some different ways to present music that might wake up some, some songs and bluegrass is one of them. So let's, let's bring that yeah. back for next episode. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: I guess that's it then. Huh? We're going to wrap it up.
0: Yep. And I'll go to the logo and OBS when it's time.
1: All <laughs> so right. Here guys. Well,
0: <laughs> See you later. See you
1: next time. Thanks for joining us once again on the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And make sure to add your voice to the conversation. You can find us at twitter.com slash catalyst
0: On Facebook at facebook.com slash Worship Ministry Catalyst. Or head over to worshipministrycatalyst.com and drop us a note.